Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Not The Farmer's Wife. I'm probably going to speak fairly quietly (laughs) through this episode. The handy helper is on night shift and he's currently asleep in the house while I'm trying to record. So hopefully I've got the volume just right. Apologies if it's not at my normal very loud volume that I normally record at and then have to wind it down a bit because I speak so loudly. Um, Plus, I've also had an absolute shocker of a morning. Uh, Seriously, there are days when I sit back and say, um, (laughs) is homesteading really the right thing for everybody? You know, it's tough. It's a tough gig from time to time. Um, And this morning, it was very tough. Um, At about 8.30 checked on our buck in his paddock who is our beautiful very expensive anglo-nubian buck and uh, because we have a buck permanently here on the farm we have a paddock buddy for him and the paddock buddy is a little goat by the name of buster um, or was i should say now Um, and i'll explain why Um, so buster was one of the anglo-nubian triplets that hazel had um, two years ago and when we got the buck, I made the decision to keep one of the weathers as a paddock buddy and companion for the buck because my understanding of bucks, and, and it goes from my parents um, having bucks, is that bucks, if they're not running with the herd full-time, and mine aren't, uh, because I like to um, control our breeding cycles, um, it's better if you have a paddock buddy with the buck because bucks can get a little bit antsy a little bit aggressive and certainly rocky our buck i don't think it has an aggressive bone in his body but we made the decision to keep a weather permanently in the paddock with him so that he always had um, a herd buddy and that herd buddy stays with him when he goes into the paddocks with the girls um, but uh, it lives with him full time so that he's always got a friend goats aren't solitary animals they're herd animals so we've always um, we don't like to separate them from their herd whoever their closest goaty friends are we like to keep them together and so this morning we checked after the handy helper got home from night shift we he helped me with um our little goat that has still got a bit of a teat problem and then we checked on the boys and their shed had blown somehow overnight into the edge of the dam so handy helper went down and pulled that out of the dam both boys were in there both happy healthy fine They've been in really good health because we've been doing a lot of paddock rotation with the buck. So he's you know well wormed. He's looking really good. He had a little bit of an issue with fly strike on the ends of his ears because he's got those beautiful Anglo-Nubian ears, and uh, he um, had a little bit of a, a problem with the ends of his ears, but that's cleared up. So he's looking absolutely magnificent at the moment. And um, we checked on the boys; they're fine. And then Handy Help went to bed. I came in here and was tidying up, getting some stuff done around the house and getting ready to record my podcast, which was supposed to be recorded about three hours ago. 
and uh, suddenly I heard the buck screaming at the top of his lungs and he does that if Buster escapes now Buster is a bit of an escape artist was a bit of an escape artist and he used to push through our electric fencing whether it was on or off he would still manage to get himself out and under it and um, so I just assumed that's what he'd done and I went out to try and find him couldn't find him anywhere couldn't locate him the buck was clearly distressed and and you know Buster wasn't with him so I climbed in the paddock with Rocky and said come on mate he's got to be here in the paddock somewhere he's just not answering you walked along the edge of our dam wall and spotted Buster lying on the edge of the dam wall in a little um, embankment on a little um, uh, erosion point and he didn't look good he um, was foaming at the mouth um, he uh, was not moving he looked unconscious he actually looked dead when I first saw him anyway I managed to get down the side of the embankment and get him and drag him up to the top of the dam wall uh, but it was clear that he was in a very very bad way um, he was uh, in and out of consciousness he had bloody diarrhea he uh, was foaming at the mouth his eyes were rolling back into his head he had res respiratory distress and you know it's a really hard situation you never know whether at what point do you call it and dispatch the animal or when you don't now in my case uh, on this particular occasion I, I didn't have to make that decision because it ended up being very quick but I could not move him from where he was he's just too big and too heavy and I didn't want to wake the handy helper up so I was trying to lift him on my own which was just impossible so in the end I bit the bullet ran back up to the house somehow through very panted breaths because I am no runner um, managed to wake the handy helper and ask him to get up and come and help me he came down and between the two of us we were able to pick him up and move him to a position in the shade um, propped up against a log he was still in respiratory distress I didn't know whether he had ingested something um, because of the foaming and the moisture around his mouth I didn't know whether he'd ingested something poisonous um, but went back and had a look where he was there was nothing that he doesn't normally eat in his paddock so uh, I kind of cancelled that one out pretty quickly went over him with a fine tooth comb thinking maybe he'd fallen and broken a leg or something and he'd been sitting there for some time and was in shock uh, he had no broken bones he had no external damage anywhere apart from two very very small marks that don't even really look like a puncher mark but but they were there was blood on the hair um, uh, on his hind inner leg and that was the only mark I could find on him anyway the handy helper and I were there with him we were trying to kind of rouse him from his unconsciousness and and trying to see if we could feel his heartbeat his heart was racing um, and then and we unfortunately we've both seen goats go we've you know stood with goats as they've died so we do know what we're looking at when it happens and within probably five minutes of getting him propped up um, the handy helper and I both looked at each other and said he's he's on the way out he's going we could tell by the way he's he was really struggling to breathe now we didn't we wouldn't have even had time to dispatch him at, at the point that we realized that there was no hope um, and he uh, took his last breath probably about two or three minutes later uh, the handy helper and I are a little bit saddened by it um, we we lose animals on the farm not regularly but we do lose them we have lost um, very beloved animals on the farm before and it's always hard there's never a nice way of losing an animal when it's unplanned 
Um, dispatching an animal for food is very different to losing an animal because of an illness or an accident or anything like that. Um, uh, in this case, there was nothing that either the handy helper or I could have done. There was We played no role in it, which gives us a little bit of comfort because obviously, you know, mistakes, I've made mistakes with mastitis and things like that where I haven't acted as quickly as I should have and that's resulted in the loss of an animal. And I beat myself up about that still a year later, um, that it was my fault that that animal passed because if I had responded differently when I realised what was going on, um, then, then she may still well be with us. Um, but in this case, we really, we were just standing there looking at each other going, this is shit. This is not, you know, how we plan to spend our Sunday. Um, but we also, I have not yet told my children and the handy helper has kids and, um, his son was the one that named this goat. So it's going to be a difficult conversation, especially coming up to Christmas. Um, but we do we have prepared the kids in the past reasonably well i think for understanding loss and understanding that farming is hard we we do lose animals and sometimes we have control over that loss and other times we don't have control so we've had a shit morning <laughs> um he passed and shortly after that handy helper and i it's 40 degrees here at the moment so we knew straight away that we had to get him buried as soon as possible we never we never eat an animal that has died from any kind of um, cause that may be undetermined so in this case i'm pretty sure uh, that young buster uh, was bitten by a snake um, the two marks that i found on the rear leg were about a centimeter apart and there was fresh blood on the outside of the the site where the marks were um, but that dried very very quickly and it went to a funny crusty kind of color now i don't know whether that's venom or whatever it is uh, but he had all the symptoms and signs of what would be considered a brown snake bite we have had a brown snake here in the last two weeks a huge one that we have done a massive cleanup around the house area to prevent uh any kind of um areas that the snake might get attracted to to hide in our yard area around our dog because obviously Roxy the Kelpie has no brains and is happy without them and she would she she has a go at lizards if they're in the yard so she definitely she she did try and have a go at the snake the other week and the snake reared up and she for once in her life her brains kicked in and she bolted um, but it was just such a shock to lose him this morning like I say unplanned uh, didn't see it coming um, I haven't lost, as far as I know, to the best of my knowledge, I have not lost a goat or sheep or horse or anything to a snake before on the farm. So it's a bit disturbing to have our first one gone. Um, but uh, Young Buster is uh, buried and we now have to try and find another paddock buddy for Rocky uh, because poor Rocky is walking around his paddock looking very forlorn and very, very lonely and goats are very much herd animals so likely um, the two angora boys who are old enough now to come off their mothers um, they're old enough to be weaned i'll likely try and shift them into the paddock with the the buck uh, over the next day or two um, to give him somebody give him some company anyway now that i've got that off my chest i hope you're having a way better week than what i have had um, and I hope that you're prepping for Christmas and getting right along with it. We don't even have a Christmas tree up still in the house here, which 
I was going to try and do this afternoon, but with everything that's gone on this morning, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, but I will try and get up in the next couple of days because we do have visitors coming for Christmas. So this week was part three on our uh, homestead holiday guide. So I am going to now go in and discuss that. Um, it would have been a short episode anyway because it's all about gardening and I am not the world's best gardener. I understand enough to get myself in and out of trouble, uh, but I am certainly not a gardening extraordinaire. So um, yeah, from that perspective, it was probably going to be a fairly short episode anyway. So now that we're over that, uh, holiday homesteading guide for gardens. Now, last week we discussed what to do when you're going away and you've got animals on the farm and you need to work out what to do with your animals and how you can have a holiday and still have homesteading animals. This week we're going to talk about gardens and to my mind, and I'm sure there would be gardeners out there who would completely disagree with me, but to my mind it's much, much easier to have holiday from your garden than it is from your animals. Um, and I think that's because to me gardens can be very much automated um, to a degree. You can automate so much in there. And yes, you're probably best to still have somebody come and have a look at it. But it also depends on what time of year and what season you're intending on having your holiday. Now, for us here, we only ever have a holiday in the winter months. So for us, um, we're always here over Christmas. But June, July is when we would take our holidays. And of course, during that period, there's very few things that I've got going on in the garden because we suffer quite badly with frosts here. So if you're in an area that suffers from heavy snowfall um, during those winter months, that's probably an ideal time to take a holiday. Um, usually you don't have animals that are breeding and producing at that time, so that, that's a win-win there. But also too, if your, animal, if your garden beds are dormant, if you've got things in, say garlic or, or potatoes or onions in over the winter months, but you don't, nothing that you have to do with them, so to speak, you know, it's more of a checking, that would be an ideal time to take your holiday <laughs> because you can walk away knowing that there's nothing specific that needs going on it's they're just doing their thing they're just plugging away growing and doing what they do under the ground so um, depending on what time of year you're having your holiday depends on what you need to do but we're going to go through and discuss a few things so the main thing to consider is before you're going away and i said this with the animals plan 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 prepare schedule do what you need to do in that respect sit down and write a list of things jobs that would need doing in the garden over the period that you're going to be away and if there are jobs like garden maintenance jobs that you can do before you go away oh excuse me if there's gardening jobs that you can do before you go away, like regular maintenance type stuff, then I would suggest getting those done before you go anywhere. Um, and it just means that when you get back, you're not going to have the stress of, oh my God, look at the garden, it's a mess. I've got to get in there and weed and I've got to get in there and mulch and, and I've got to harvest and pick things and, and transplant and stuff like that. If you can do it around, plan your holidays around the times when you don't need to be doing those things or when you can pre-plan and do them in advance that is the perfect way to do it so things like um, pruning and weeding obviously if your garden's looking really schmick and you've you know not got any overgrown weed problems and you've not got any pruning that needs doing that that'd be a perfect time to be thinking about holidays or if you know that you need to be doing some stuff make sure you do it in advance and again it depends how long you're going to be away for if you're going to be away for a month Obviously, you're probably going to have somebody coming in checking the garden. If you're only going away for a week, 
Um, there's lots of things you could automate where to the point where you wouldn't even need somebody to come in and look. So definitely pruning and weeding, um, get those things done before you go away and schedule them in. Actually make a note in your diary and go, right, on two days before we go, I'm going out into the garden, I'm going to spend an hour in the garden doing this so that I know that it's done before we go. Um, and that applies the same for mulching. So um, mulching is just such a super way of keeping moisture in the so soil. And if you can uh, make sure that all the mulch around your garden beds is up to date before you go, that's going to make life much, much easier down the track. It's going to mean that any watering that you do do, like if you've got an automated watering system, anything that you do do is going to be retained much better. So it's also going to prevent the weeds sprouting through. So you're not going to get back after like two weeks away and go, oh my God, look at the weeds, where did they come from? You, you might be able to control them to a degree with the mulch and you'll be able to control the, the water loss and also harvesting and storing any fruits or vegetables. Now, if you are going away during a season where you have lots of things that are growing and need harvesting, um, then the best thing I can suggest is finding a neighbor or friend, family friend or friend who will come around and harvest things for you. Please don't pick somebody who's never seen a garden in their life. Um, it, it's, you know, it's one of those jobs where I'd hate to put on somebody who didn't know what they were doing because I could imagine I'd get back and they'd be like, for fuck's sake, Cass, I had no idea. I just plucked everything, like green, red, didn't matter, plucked it all. Um, so if you've got a friend who's not half bad with gardening, then they'd be the person to ask. And get them to come around and check because what you don't want to do is have fruit or vegetables spoiling on the plant or, or dropping to the ground and promoting pests. You don't want to come back and be like, ah, oh, fuck, the pests have gone overboard because I've, because nobody was here to harvest anything. So if you can harvest before you go or plan your holiday around times when you don't need to be harvesting, that, that's my two main tips. But if you really don't have any choice, if you have to go away at this particular time and you know that there's going to be fruit or vegetables ready, enlist a handy helper somebody who can come in and pluck all those fruit vegetables oh excuse me it's been a very long day and i'm a bit yawny um uh, have somebody come in who can pick the fruit and vegetables for you and you know maybe say to them here yeah, have the fruit and veggies as a bit of a gift for coming in and doing the work for me i probably appreciate it uh, depending on you know what they like um so I'm going to go into a bit more detail now about mulching and watering strategies because they're things that can really be done well in advance. So obviously with the mulching, if you've got a good layer of mulch down, then any watering you do is going to be way, way more effective. What I like to do with mine, if I'm going away, and, and I do this through summer anyway with my garden because we have such hot summers here. And so you really have to control the amount of water that you're putting on and the amount of evaporation that's coming off. So what I like to do is a nice deep layer of mulch. Um, and, you know, everybody has their preferences. Um, I am not terribly fussy with what I mulch with. Um, some people are like, oh, you can't put this on because if you put that on, it leaches into the ground and things like that. I'm happy if I just have ground cover and therefore there's no moisture coming off the, the soil, the bare, any bare soil. And, I mean, some people also don't weed as much because they can mulch the weeds back in and use them as ground cover and if that's all you've got that's all you've got do that the, the main point of mulching is to keep that moisture level up in the soil so 
once you've done all your mulch and remembering not to put them the mulch right up against the, the actual base of the plant because if you do that you can cause all kinds of I think they call it mulch rot or something like that where it's yeah this foreign material up against the the edge of the plant and when it gets damp it gets yucky so you want a, a nice airflow around the the base of the plant so once you've got your mulch nice and deep and everything what you can do if you know that you're going away during a hot period or a period where there's going to be a certain level of heat or dryness to the soil is to do a deep watering and when I say a deep watering I mean have like a soaker hose or something like that going and do it for twice the amount of time that you would normally do it so if you would normally put your soaker hose on and leave it on for you know or drip for, drip hose on for um, half an hour leave it on for an hour even an hour and a half it you might think oh no because that might damage them you know, so much water but it's a bit of that feast and famine thing with plants and I don't think in my experience what I've seen the plants don't mind getting that huge big dump of water like they would if mother nature dumped a huge big amount of rain on them oh excuse me I'm really struggling with the yawns this afternoon sorry um so a big dump of water just like a huge big run rainstorms come through and then three days of sunshine it's exactly what nature does to it so you know having having plants that are so finicky that they can't cope if you don't only water them for half a, an hour each day and it has to be every day and it has to be in the afternoon or the morning that's that's not how nature is nature is random and sporadic so a big big deep watering before you leave um but better than that again would probably be the um, automated watering systems so if you can set up if you if you're not off-grid like us and power and water on an issue I would say set up an automatic timer and have a drip feeder going so that half an hour every morning drip feeder goes waters all the garden now there's a lot involved in that but wow it saves a lot of time down the track and I mean don't get me wrong I love standing out there watering the garden I think it's very therapeutic to stand and water the garden with a handheld hose but a drip feeder is much more efficient and much better use of water and it means that you can go out there and you still potter around your garden you just go and turn your timer on and say right we're watering the garden now now if you don't have that that facility if you're not set up if you're like us and you, you're on off-grid where you've got to be mindful of power and how much water's in the tank and things like that what you can do is set up um, self-watering systems so I love they're like a little spike um, watering spike I think they're called and you attach them to just old coke bottles and things like that and fill the bottle up with water stick it in the ground next to it spike it into the ground next to it and then it slowly releases water oh I'm really struggling it slowly releases water into the garden you know, over a period of days um, that's another way especially if you're only going away for a weekend or something that is an awesome system for doing it because then you don't need to ask anybody to come in and check it um, also you've got your self-watering pots and things like that a lot of people have those I've got a couple of those inside the house uh, where you just fill up the, the water tray in the bottom and it wicks up into the plant base into the pot um, so those kind of systems if you can get those kind of systems set up before you go um, even if you do have somebody coming around to check if they're coming around to check just you know just to check 
that the garden's doing okay but they don't have to do the watering it's going to be much easier to convince somebody to do that for you <laughs> you know it, the the minimal amount of work nobody's probably going to have a problem with when you have means of chores for them to do you're probably less likely to be able to convince somebody to do it for you now because the chances are that you'd be going on holidays at a time where it could be really extreme weather so you could be going like me i go in the middle of winter when it's frosts everywhere uh, because that's what suits us to go on holidays but for my northern hemisphere friends maybe you're going away at christmas time um, when it's your winter and and you might have you know 10 inches of snow or whatever so those kinds of times when you're going it's either you know middle of summer or middle of winter for most of us when we take our holidays um, the the one thing to think about is all of those little extremes that you can cater for so things like if you do have vulnerable plants that don't cope with excessive frost or excessive sun um, cover them use shade cloth in the in the sunny areas but you can also use shade cloth in your snow areas and have a, a, a bit of a cover over it so that the frost doesn't damage it uh, so that the snowfall doesn't land on it and you know, squish it down um, just giving it that extra bit of protection means that it's more likely to cope with a little bit of neglect for a week um, utilizing uh, garden structures another way you can do it um, for those that haven't seen them before and I, I don't know whether I've got any pictures on my insta page but we made um, hoops to go over our fruit trees so all they are is poly pipe with a four-way fitting at the top and we just bend the poly pipe into the four-way fitting at the top and then we cover that with shade cloth uh, to stop the frost from killing anything but also it gives a certain level of shade and it also prevents pests getting in when you're not there to make sure that there's no pests getting in so that's a really handy thing to do too now if you don't have stuff like that there's always something in the garden that you can use um, tomato trellis posts um, you can stick them up at either end of the garden and cover it with shade cloth that would work too um, if you've got um, any other kind of trellises that you use for growing beans or anything like that up you can always lay them on their side if you've only got little seedlings or any short plants in um, lie it on its side and cover that with a bit of shade cloth and just make sure you weigh it down with some rocks or bricks to make sure the shade cloth doesn't end up in the next door neighbour's yard like two weeks later um, and then the last one obviously is making sure that if you are getting somebody to come in and look after your garden that it's somebody close by where it's not going to be a hassle for them particularly if you're going away during a period of extreme weather if you're going away and you know there's going to be blizzards and snowstorms and things like that honestly i would feel really bad asking somebody to come in and check my garden during a time when it's um yeah horrible horrible weather and they have to get out and tromp around in snow and frost and rain and all the rest of it so asking somebody who's close by but also if if you do have that extreme weather event likely to happen where you're away and while they're looking after it make sure that you give them all the tools that they need <coughs> so maybe say to them look you know i'll leave some some big coats out the back yeah you know, on the back veranda um so when you go to check the garden you've got coats there um you've got sun hat out on the back veranda so that they can just chuck that on while they're out in the backyard doing what they need to do make their life as simple as possible before you get them to look after your garden now that that's pretty much it i know this has been a really short episode but um given the morning i've had i'm kind of going to take that one and run with it uh, but the main thing i guess to remember is that automate what you can 
and what you can't automate make it as simple as possible for the people coming in to manage it um, you don't want to be giving people um, a huge amount of tasks to do if you're you know asking nicely for them to come and do it for free the other alternative and we did discuss this with the animals is um, having somebody come and house sit and if you are getting a house sitter same as with the animals there are many many house sitter sites where you can go to them and say look i need a house sitter who's good with cats dogs and gardens or i've got a, i need a house sitter who can deal with any chicken problems and they need to be able to manage my garden while i'm away and if you are going to be away for an extended period you know and who doesn't want to have an extended holiday i mean i'm looking at trying to or plan a holiday to Croatia in 2025 because we have friends over there on deployment um, so it, you know if you do want to have that extended break then obviously having a house sitter is, is a win-win in that you've got somebody living in your house which means you've got the security of your house looked after um, as well as having them there to manage any animals or any garden issues now one thing to keep in mind is if you are a full-on homesteader like we are and you are getting somebody to come in to look after garden animals and house just be mindful of how much you're asking them to do i know from personal experience that i probably spend way more hours doing stuff around the farm than i actually give credit for so if somebody said to me how much time do you spend each afternoon looking after your animals i'd be like oh an hour you know it's just an hour after work you know that kind of thing yeah no it's not <laughs> i get up in the morning and i probably spend an hour in the morning um dealing with goats and chickens and if you've got a sick goat like we do at the moment then that adds to it uh, and then in the afternoon there's got to be close to an hour <laughs> between garden and animals um so two hours a day and we don't have really high maintenance anything other than the milking goats so if you are asking somebody to come in to look after all your stuff just be mindful how much time it takes you to do everything and then try to simplify the chores for the person coming in so like i said automate where possible you know things like chicken hoppers for chicken food um, your drip watering system set up on a timer um, you know, making sure that you don't have a huge amount of fruit and vegetables that's going to be need to be harvested by this poor person that's coming to look after everything for you and you know i would say depending on how important your garden is to you um don't be afraid to to get to a point where you have to say well i'm going to pay somebody to come in and look after it um, the handy helper used to work as a, um, a gardener as a lawnmower person and uh, probably i would say good 10 of his clients every time they would go on holidays they would actually schedule him to come for an extra visit over the period that they were away to make sure that the bins got brought back in he and he had no problem doing it. they were paying him for the for the time he was there anyway but he'd bring the bins back in he would harvest any fruit or vegetables that were ripe and you know clearly needed taking off the the plants in the backyard he'd make sure the watering systems were working here if there's any pruning needed doing he would do that so i think two of our customers have gone away for up to six weeks at a time and had him come just on a regular basis once a week to go and check everything and make sure everything's still working the way it's meant to be make sure that nothing's been got into by by pests so don't be afraid to pay if your veggie garden really means that much to you it's probably worth it to have the peace of mind 
it's not quite the same as animals when you're away where you're kind of touching base with the house sitter and saying oh is everything okay are all the animals fine you don't need to go to that extent but having somebody come in and do that stuff you know and having to pay them for it realistically the peace of mind it would give you to enjoy your holiday i see that as money well spent <laughs> it'd kind of be like getting somebody to come in and clean your house you know the week after you get back from a long extended holiday because that's probably the last thing you want to be doing i mean i can't do that out here we're way too far out of town and no cleaner would ever come near the place um but it, but you know i live in hope one day that they'll tar the road and we might be able to get home help out towards us anyway that's it for me for this week um, like I say we had a pretty crap morning so I apologize for it being a short one but next week's episode we're going to talk it's going to be our last in the homestead holiday guide series and we are going to talk all about traditions and things that you can do in a from a homesteading perspective that um, you know could change the way you view Christmas and maybe sometimes make it a little easier some people might say it makes it a bit harder because making things from scratch does seem hard the first time you do it and even the second and third time but believe me it gets better as you go on um, and as always if you know anybody that would like to listen to my podcast um, let them know because the downloads are going up and up and up but I'm sure there are people out there that I'm not getting to who would absolutely love to listen and and likewise if you feel inclined to give a review give a review because that pushes my podcast up through the rankings so that more people get exposed to it. Um, oh, and one other thing that I didn't mention, um, I was a podcast guest. Um, last week I was interviewed, or a week before I was interviewed, uh, for a podcast called Life's Too Short to Count Almonds. And these two ladies, Meg and Susan, are awesome. If you are Obviously, you are a podcast listener listening to this, but if you're interested in another podcast, I would suggest that you go over to Megan Susan's podcast. Just so go into your podcast wherever you hunt your podcasts and type in Life's Too Short to Count Almonds. They are crackers. They're both dietitians, but they're non diet dietitians. So they believe, like me, in real food um, and they love the idea and concept of people just eating food that they enjoy that is real food but they don't beat their clients up when they slip and have mcdonald's because they've got a five-hour car trip ahead of them and that's the most convenient thing to stop and eat uh, so from a dietitian's perspective i think they're absolutely awesome and i had an absolute blast talking to them um, i think we went a bit longer than their normal episodes do we we're up near the hour mark um, but it was we were having so much fun we just couldn't stop so if you're interested in a new podcast or listening to a different podcast, not one not about farming, I'd suggest go along and listen to theirs. Um, and otherwise, I will see you all next week and hopefully where I've had a much, much better week. <laughs> and uh, the next episode, which is the traditions one, is actually going to get released on Christmas Day. Um, obviously, I record these prior to release date. Um, so it'll be recorded before Christmas Day, uh, but it'll be get, get released on Christmas Day. So if you're full as a gog um, after having Christmas lunch and want to sit down and have a listen to something, it'll be there for you just like every other week. Anyway, that's it for now. I'm going to go and have a sit down and a cup of tea. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. See ya. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review. 
I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not The Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya.